It's uh, the hangover cure of all hangover cures, if you ask me. Hello and welcome to this episode of Tripology. I'm Al, and today I'm joined by a perturbing sense of silence plummeting right down through the headphones because my ever-incomparable friend and companion Adam is in Japan. We are separated by great distances. I'm in Mexico, huddled in the corner of an hostel dormitory, and Adam is off in Japan, swaddled in kimonos and tea leaves and goodness knows what he's getting up to. So I thought that this episode could be a remarkable opportunity to try something a little different. Right now, you're hearing my voice solo on my lonesome, but having not spoken to Adam in a little while, I have no idea what's going on in his life. I just know that he's in Japan, roaming around and having a proverbial whale of a time. So I think... I'll pose Adam a series of questions via this podcast, and the first time that I hear his responses will be the first time that this podcast comes out. I'm going to listen to his responses at the very same time that you, the listeners, do, and together we can all learn about Adam's exceptional adventure on Japanese soil. So, the future Adam hearing this now, how does that sound? Are you ready? Rightio, yes, let's do it. I just want to preface this recording by saying that I am currently in a commercial kitchen. It's the basement of a hotel, and I've rented the space out to record this. There's stainless steel everywhere. It's echoey as anything, so I just want to apologise in advance for the quality. I am also recording this on my phone as well, so it ain't going to be perfect. Perhaps start by giving us a brief introduction. You're in Japan. How is it? Yes, and am I happy to be here. I'm in Tokyo. I've been in Japan for nearly two weeks now. And I've got to say, man, I've completely fallen in love with this place. I really, really like Tokyo. The first time I was here, uh, you know, the first hour on that first day, I thought, Jesus, this is busy. But um, it's one of the most densely populated cities in the world, I think, along with Mexico City. And there are some areas of Tokyo that are just unbelievably busy. There are so many people everywhere all of the time. Uh, But the energy, there's a buzz about the city. It's 24 hours. You can do anything at any time. And it's it's just fantastic. It's really well organized. The public transport is exceptional. And it's much easier to navigate than I anticipated. In all honesty, if you do a little bit of research and you use Google Maps. Google Maps, my goodness, has been a lifesaver. Please, anyone coming to Japan soon, get Google Maps, get your SIM card, get some data. But Google Maps has been an absolute lifesaver for me. It's so accurate. And um, yeah, it's just got it's got everything you could possibly need. It's quite funny, actually. If you just spend a bit of time, let's say you like people watching, go to a cafe in one of the main centers of Tokyo and sit there and watch for a few hours. And you will just see every now and again, 
a tourist moving around in a circle looking at their phone and they're quite clearly lost and they're just trying to reconfigure, recalibrate and then, you know, go on their way. But it's so funny. I've made eye contact with a few and it's like, oh, fuck, we're both lost. Yeah, uh, nice one. See you soon. But uh, yeah, it just really made me laugh. Really funny. I'm sure we've all just heard about what a beautiful time you're having. I suppose what I really want to ask you first is, what, if anything, have you found surprising about your time in Japan? There's been a couple of little things I've found surprising about my time in Mexico. So maybe you could start by answering that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't my first time in Japan. I did come here in 2020. So maybe there have been less surprises this time. But one thing that I have been surprised with, and I also think it's a concern of lots of people who maybe want to come to Japan, is the language barrier. But honestly, so many people speak English in Japan. They speak good English as well. And I don't know if they're being humble and modest, uh, but I think that Japanese people generally, from my experience, speak a higher level of English than maybe they give themselves credit for. But with the Olympics that came to Japan as well, the cities like Tokyo are really well set up for it. Everything's in English as well as uh, even Korean, obviously Japanese. Um, sometimes Russian I've seen as well. So uh, it's very easy to navigate. Uh, people are very helpful. All of the signs are in the railways, certainly Metro and um, Overland Rail as well, the SkyTrain and stuff, they all have their English equivalents. It just makes navigating really straightforward. But even when you go to some far out towns in rural areas of Japan, I've recently spent some time in the Japanese Alps and I've been just in an izakaya, you know, like a Japanese pub having a drink. And more often than not, someone will strike up a conversation with me and maybe they've traveled to London for business or they studied in Canada or whatever the story might be. But many, many people around Japan do speak pretty good English from my experience. And it means that you can have a much deeper connection with these people. It's been fantastic, actually. One of the best things I've done is to just go into local bars and strike up conversations with strangers over a drink. I'm not sure I'd recommend that everywhere in the world with everyone, but I think in Japan, you know, on the whole, it's really safe, kind of wholesome, fantastic experience to have, and I would highly recommend it. I would also say in the same breath, do learn a little bit of Japanese as well. I can't read hiragana or katakana or kanji to save my life. You know, maybe one day it is one of my New Year's resolutions. We'll see how that goes in later episodes. But, uh, but yeah, do make the effort. I, I learned maybe 10, 15, 20 phrases, something like that. Um, you know, listen to podcasts or uh, YouTube channels or whatever, whatever media you choose. But there are lots of, con there's lots of content out there to help you learn some Japanese phrases that are specific for travel. And it really goes a long way as well. It's a really fantastic thing to do and it will change your experience because Japanese people are, are impressed when you speak a little bit of Japanese and they really appreciate the effort. So definitely do that as a minimum. One thing that really has surprised me traveling around Mexico is the inefficiency of my own immune system. 
both me and my friend who I've been traveling with responded to the excitement of traveling to a new country by immediately becoming quite ill. And we spent a number of days sort of reclining, horizontally recovering. But on a more positive note, one of the most surprising or perhaps enlivening things to me, apart from the amazing Mexican scenery and beautiful, relaxed atmosphere here, is the reconnection or the ability to reconnect with old travel friends so easily. I'm traveling with someone who I met in South America right now, and it's been years since we've seen each other, but it's been so easy just to travel together again and reconnect. We've had so many good times and laughs already. So... I really recommend traveling with new people and old people you've met on previous trips because I've had a really good time reconnecting with that person. How about you? Anything else that surprised you about Japan? Yeah, another thing that I've been really surprised with, and in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have been, but it's the transport system. The rail networks, the buses, the Shinkansen, the bullet trains. It's just such a a great experience. It makes it really enjoyable and there's no stress. And I think... You know, I don't know where you would compare that to in the world, but it's really, it makes train travel really exciting. It's effortless. It just takes no energy out of you whatsoever. Even though at rush hour, I did make a point to go on the trains in rush hour, and that is an experience in itself. If you don't mind getting squished into, you know, a large group of people in a tight space, i.e. if you're claustrophobic, this absolutely isn't for you, but it's like being at the very front of a rock concert. <laughs> it's um, with no music at all. Uh, but yeah, highly recommend doing that just to get the experience. But uh, but yeah, the, the transport system is second to none. It, it really, it really is a thing to behold in itself. Very, very impressive. Another thing I'd like to mention, Adam, as a surprise that I've had in Mexico is the cheap cost of flights in and out of Cancun Airport. I think that might be a little travel tip for anyone looking to explore Central America is that Cancun seems to be by far and away the cheapest airport to get into and get out of. I've been really impressed by my ability to book a flight from Canada to Cancun and then from Cancun to Europe. So anyone looking to explore that area of the world, give it some thought. Go on, give us one last thing that's maybe surprised you about Japan or anything you want to comment on. Lastly, it is how warm and friendly Japanese people are. It's really been quite special, to be honest with you. The politeness, the um, the etiquette, I think, is something I really enjoy here. But people generally are kind of interested. Tokyo is maybe not representative of the rest of the country, you know, like any sort of capital city. It's a very busy city of tens of millions of people. No one's got any time. But, but yeah, by and large, the Japanese people have been wonderful, very hospitable, very conscientious, very caring, warm, funny, really funny as well. And I'll share a couple of experiences later, but it just the the sort of the culture the society you know is almost supported by that um sense of community and wanting to work as a unit and uh just caring for one another being very polite and this is of course from the outside looking in but really positive for for the most part i mean there there have been a few occasions when i've been told 
there is, you know, reservations only in an izakaya where I can see that half the restaurant's empty. And I'm going, uh, okay, sh- sure, I'll leave then. And that, you know, you read forums and whatever, and that does happen, maybe not all the time, but um, but yeah, that's happened. You just don't take it personally, you just move on to the next one, it's no problem. But um, for the most part, people are absolutely wonderful, and I would implore people to come here and experience it for themselves. I'm sure that me and the listeners have just been regaled by some beautiful tales of all the wonderful things that Japan has to offer. And if that is the case, perhaps you could tell us about some of the things that have surprised you in a negative way or some things that have been not so great in your travels around Japan. Something that I was quite frankly shocked by is um, it's well documented that Japan is still a cash-based society, but I would say it's even a paper-based society. They've got tickets for everything. They print out receipts on every occasion. And convenience stores is another thing that we'll touch on, but there's there's just so much paper being used and plastic being used, and whether it's been recycled or otherwise, I mean, it's still being processed, isn't it? It's still manufacturing. There's still industry there. And I feel like there doesn't really need to be. There have even been some occasions when I've bought something, you know, whether it's a train ticket or whatever, I I can't quite remember, but I've bought something and received a ticket, and then I've had to exchange that ticket for another ticket that was then printed. And I'm just thinking, why? (laughs) why? Why in 2023, in a country that's as advanced in so many other areas as Japan is, why do they still use so much paper and plastic? And, yeah, I think this is uh, very... I think this is common knowledge that in Japan you can buy individually wrapped pieces of fruit in plastic. It's like a banana in a plastic bag. But, you know, if you look on the shelf, there are 20 bananas individually wrapped in plastic. Apples, it's the same. Everything's in a little wrapper and then that's in another bag. And, you know, it just, um, it's a bit of a shame. So, again, without having much knowledge of the back end of things, I don't know about their recycling policy or, you know, maybe there are subsidies or whatever. But, yeah, it, it is... It is quite shocking, the, the amount of paper. And, of course, they still use cash for most things. So if you are going to come to Japan, do make sure you carry cash with you. The thing I will say that is weird, it's almost like going back in time. It's quite nostalgic. Being able to pay for something in cash with the exact money is incredibly satisfying. <laughs> I don't know if I'm showing my uh, Virgo there, but, uh, you know, when you go into a convenience store and something's 151 yen and you can do it in, like, ones and fives and tens, and <laughs> all in coins, it's so satisfying. You know, take away from the fact that you've been walking around with that chunk of change weighing you down for the last six hours, but, you know, that's that's by the by. It's just uh, it's sort of a weird thing I noticed. Where it's like a sense of victory almost when you see this weird number come up, 768 yen, and you can do it all in coins and get it right on the money. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think the, you know, the country is probably moving to away from that kind of thing. But we'll see. We'll see. 
I wonder if at this juncture we can't segue into some tips and recommendations for the countries that we're respectively travelling in. One tip that I would have for travelling around the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico is to get really stuck in with the street food. All of the best meals that I've had have been kind of just rocking up to street vendors and asking what they would recommend I purchase. So really get stuck in with the street food. I think that's a good tip to heed during your time in Mexico. Your turn, Adam. Give us a tip for Japan. Yes, certainly. So tips for anyone coming to Japan, whether you're coming here on holiday or if you're backpacking, I would say get yourself a SIM card as early as you possibly can. You can buy them from the airport. I'm not sure about the price. I would imagine they're more expensive at the airport than they are at, say, an electronic store somewhere like Big Camera. I do think there might be a 7-Eleven at one of the airports as well, maybe Narita, that you can you can get one out for a pretty good price. I paid about $25 for 10 gigabytes. And so far, that's done me for nearly two weeks. But yeah, highly recommend it. Get internet on your phone as quickly as possible and then start using Google Maps because it has been a lifesaver. Honestly, I can't tell you how often I use it and how many times it's saved me time, got me out of trouble, managed to find a decent restaurant, whatever it might be. It just takes any pressure off trying to find your way around. And it's also really accurate as well. It's completely ubiquitous. Everyone uses it as well. It's a very, very good tool. And I've used it a lot. I I would certainly recommend doing that as one of the first things for you to do. Secondly, get involved in the convenience stores. (laughs) The big three, the ones that you see the most of, are 7-Eleven, Family Mart, and Lawson's. And they are everywhere. Honestly, everywhere. I'm sure everyone knows this anyway. But there seems to be this culture, this, um, you know, the society here, it demands convenience stores because people frequent them so often it's very normal to just run in grab a bottle of anything or have a coffee from one or uh, maybe pick up a little onigiri or you know some quick dinner but they've got got it all it's just so awesome I honestly very rarely walk past one and don't go in I'm sure that I'm falling victim (laughs) in some way but but I love it I, I just love you can go in anytime and I'm addicted to Picari Sweat at the moment. They're not sponsoring this episode, but they can send me a case if they want. It's uh, the hangover cure of all hangover cures, if you ask me. But, you know, you can get hot food in there, loads of cold food in there, uh, all your sweets, of course, and weird and wonderful things as well. There are some treasure, <laughs> There are some treasures to be found in there. But... Um, but no, I, I do really like the convenience stores and, and they're great and they're they're pretty fun to sort of navigate around and see what you can pick up. And uh, you just, you know, you can charge your phone in there, you can um, recharge your travel card, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're really, really good. Highly recommend spending a lot of time in convenience stores. They've saved me on a few occasions. And when I say they're everywhere, honestly, normally when you exit a convenience store, even if you stand at the door, sometimes in busy areas, very built-up areas of Tokyo, you can see two other, three other convenience stores from the doorway of another one. So there's, there's always one around the corner. You're never too far away from them. Beautiful. If I was to provide another Mexican tip or recommendation, it would be 
the use and the understanding of the Spanish language. I constantly lament my inability to speak Spanish very well, but I do have reasonable comprehension after spending a year in South America. The person I'm traveling with though does have really good understanding and verbal skills in Spanish, and that definitely opens up some doors in terms of interacting with local people and getting tips and recommendations from them. Is there any other Japanese tips you'd like to add, Adam? couple of other wrecks for you. Uh, if you've ever been to Japan, the likelihood is you've done your Kyoto, your Osaka, and your Tokyo. They're much easier to get to if you're flying from anywhere outside of Japan. They're very well connected. And they're probably the three most visited cities, I would say, in the country. But I would highly recommend getting a little bit further out Go to somewhere that's maybe a little bit different. Do a bit of research and stuff. But I went to two really fantastic cities in Japan. One on the opposite side of Honshu, so the main island, on the Sea of Japan coast called Kanazawa. And, you know, it's not a hidden gem. It's a very well-known tourist destination. But I think people have tipped it as becoming the next Kyoto. It's far smaller it's uh, got some fantastic food, and it's also got that kind of cultural aspect to it as well. There are a couple of geisha districts, samurai district, beautiful old traditional buildings. As I said, some fantastic food. There's also uh, some gardens you can walk around and a castle there. And it's just, it's not too big that you can't do it by foot. It really was a great couple of days. I could have stayed there much longer, but I did two and a half days there. And yeah, I, I can't wait to go back. It's um, pretty vibrant, good food and drink scene, lots of fun. And again, a little bit different from just your, your normal route. So definitely go and check Kanazawa out. And then the other one, which I completely fell in love with, I can't wait to go back there, is Matsumoto. Matsumoto is a pretty small city two and a half hours north of Tokyo on a local train. And there's the Matsumoto Castle there, which is one of the only remaining six-story castles in Japan. I don't think it's been heavily damaged by any fire or anything else, like literally 99% of all the castles in Japan. But it's just um, got some lovely little cobbled streets, some pedestrian areas, very warm, friendly people, great food, and and some really good onsen as well. It's a great sort of hot spring area. So I went to one onsen, one hot spring bath that was 115 years old. And it's like a little piece of history. And I, I would highly recommend going to Matsumoto. I really, really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to go back. It was It was a great experience. I'm sure that our listeners thinking about heading to Japan will find those tips really, really useful. I would like to take this opportunity, if I may, to share a story of my time traveling in Mexico. You see, Chichen Itza is something that I've always had in my mind as a place that I would like to go. I'm really curious about the ancient world. You know, I've spent a lot of time traveling, exploring famous ancient sites, the Great Pyramids at Giza, for example. So Chichen Itza was a place that I thought, that's somewhere I gotta go during my time in the Yucatan, of course. So I headed there with my travel friend. 
we thought it was a very beautiful, formidable place. I think there's a lot good to be said about it. It was very crowded. It was very busy. But the site itself is undeniably awe-inspiring. I think that anyone in the area should definitely go. Just be aware that there are going to be a lot of people all over the shop. But the story actually takes place when I was exploring the grounds of Chichen Itza. It's kind of like a larger complex and we were walking through the sort of undergrowth, heading from one site to another lesser known ruin just off the path. And I felt a searing, searing pain at the top of my head. It almost brought me to my knees. And, you know, my friend rushes over and he's like checking through my hair, through my scalp to see like what's causing the pain. And then, you know, the crown of my head starts swelling and, you know, ultimately we have to go to the medical tent on site at Chichen Itza and ask them what the, the hell had happened. It was clear that I'd been stung by something. And the, the doctor seemed rather unconcerned in one sense, but then did apply rather a large smattering of ointments and checked my blood pressure and started taking notes and all this. It basically turns out it was a kind of ant, not a bullet ant, and this was definitely less painful. I have been stung by a bullet ant. But, you know, it was one of probably the second most painful insect sting that I've ever had. So now I've been stung by a bullet ant in South America and an ant of undisclosed nature in Central America. Both of them very, very painful. But a great job that the people at the Chichen Itza medical tent did because I felt very calm and relaxed and they very much were there to look after me. How about you? Could you share a story or a tale of your Japanese adventure? Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to share some experiences I had from my time here. And one of them happened in Takayama, which is a pretty small city in the Japanese Alps. It's in the Gifu prefecture. And I was sitting in a coffee shop. I'd been out walking all morning. I went to a couple of market streets and, you know, down some some lovely old uh, cobbled pedestrian areas where they've got these wonderful buildings, uh, very old sort of traditional buildings. Uh, and the area is actually known for the craftsmanship of woodworkers. So the carpentry, the skill... Uh, is really quite something. If you're interested in that kind of thing, I would highly recommend going to Takayama if you are coming to Japan. But I, I'd done a bit of walking and I went down to one end of the main area um, that I've been walking around and I went to a coffee shop and just sat there and had a nice coffee and, and didn't really think much of it. And then a young Japanese guy came in and he sat next to me and he clearly had a, a kind of rapport, a you know, relationship with the people who work there. They were giggling and laughing and that kind of thing. And then he turned to me and he said, hey, man, where, where are you from? And I was taken aback by how good his English was. And we sat there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, had our coffees and a bit of a chit-chat. And he said, um, you know, it's my day off work today. Have you got any plans for the afternoon? And I said, no, I'm, you know, completely open. I arrived yesterday. I don't really know what there is to do apart from what I'd already done and I was not moving on until the following afternoon. He said, oh, great. Well, I'd, I'd love to take you out for the afternoon. I've got a car and really, if you ask me, you need a car to, to do most things around here. So 
why don't we just go out and I'll drive you to the places I think you should see and we can go and have some food together and I'll take you to a sake brewery or two if you're interested in that kind of thing. And I thought, wow, this guy's overly nice, really friendly. And, you know, sometimes when you travel, you've got to keep your wits about you. And I've also, also as we've discussed on previous podcasts, Al, I've um, been stung by a scam in Shanghai, which wasn't too dissimilar, really. But this guy was just very smiley and had a great energy about him. So I said, yeah, all right, let's do it. That would be lovely. I'd really appreciate that. And then we just spent the entire day um, going to see some really interesting things, lots of things I didn't know about. He took me to a really traditional sober restaurant, so buckwheat noodles. It was out in the middle of nowhere. It was like this little wooden house run by a very uh, lovely elderly couple. And I I just never would have found it. But yeah, it was beautiful. We were kind of sitting on the floor of the restaurant with our legs crossed. And the food was exceptional as well. Really, really lovely experience. And I was kind of talking to the elderly couple through my now friend, um, Yas, bless him. And he was translating everything. And it was just a really, really lovely meal, something I'll remember for a long time. And then we went to a different town, which was about a 20-minute drive away, to a couple of really well-known sake breweries. And, um, you know, went tasting there and that kind of stuff. And that was really informative and got a little tour around and things. And uh, then later on in the afternoon, we came back. I said, look, I'm checking out of one hotel and, and into another one. Um, but I'd love to take you for some beers later to say thank you. And he was like, yeah, well, yeah, okay, let's do that. So we then, um, you know, he actually drove me from the old hotel right across the other side of the city to the new one. Bless him, bless bless his cotton socks. Uh, he was just so sweet and eager to help. And then I said, all right, well, let's meet up at six o'clock in this kind of area and then we'll go for a few beers and stuff. We we met up and he said, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? What sort of thing do you want to... And I said, I really want to go to a local izakaya. It would be great to just have a relaxed chit-chat with some good beers and, um, you know, some decent food and that kind of stuff. And izakaya, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically like a Japanese pub. Um, but normally you will have, you know, beers, sake, and uh, some some really decent food, actually. You can have some fantastic food in izakayas, and they're frequented sometimes <laughs> on a daily basis by Japanese salarymen. But, yeah, really good fun, lovely evening. And at the end of it all, he wouldn't let me pay for any of it. I couldn't believe it. I was just completely amazed. It was such a warming kind of experience and I don't know I think I'll remember that forever so I've said to him the only way I will let you pay for these beers and food is if you come and see me in Canada he said absolutely you've got my word so fingers crossed he can get over there soon and if you're listening to this yes thanks again it was awesome to meet you and um, yeah just really appreciate the the day out but that kind of thing can happen. And it's also not the only time it's happened on this trip. Just earlier today, the same thing happened. And I I met this lovely lady in a bar a few nights ago. She started chatting to me as well in English, which was a really nice surprise. And she said, you know, on Sunday, have you got anything planned? I can take you around and we can go and do some stuff and go and eat some good food and it'll be nice to practice my English and again very similar to the scam that I've been stung by in China but I just went for it and 
ended up having the most wonderful day today. We went to a yakiniku restaurant, which is uh, kind of a, uh, you have a center, in the center of the table, there's like a grill and you grill your own meat. So we had some beef tongue, um, some wagyu. It was, it was really awesome experience, a few vegetables and things. And that was really nice. It was pretty fancy, actually, to be fair. Um, and then we went out walking around Ueno, which is, um, which is again, a really nice area. Lovely park there. Uh, and that was really enjoyable. There was actually an auction in Ueno for some koi, the fish, like carp. You know, the, the white and gold and um, black fleck koi carp fish. Uh, and I only recently found out, I'm embarrassed to admit, that I think the Japanese word for carp is koi. <laughs> so us Brits over there saying koi carp every time, I think we're basically saying carp carp. But um, but anyway, I'm sure lots of you already know that, and uh, I'm embarrassed. Um, the ripe old age I am have only just found out now. But uh, but that was pretty funny. There were hundreds of these pools. They look like children's swimming pools, you know, these blow up things. But they had you know prized koi in them, and I nearly fucking said it again, koi can't. But uh, but yeah, that was pretty funny and a, a nice surprise. And then we went to a really uh, great sort of counter sushi restaurant where you order on a screen and we had drinks and uh, tried some pretty weird stuff, to be honest with you. I had tuna eye socket and eye. And if you're not adventurous with your food, maybe that's uh, not something you wanted to hear, but it's one of the reasons I travel. And I'll be honest, it was the dish of the night. We had some fantastic sushi as well, we really did, but it was very interesting, very flavorful, had a nice depth of flavor to it, and, you know, pretty weird. I mean, I don't think there's going to be anywhere in the UK where you can eat that kind of stuff. So, yeah, again, a really lovely experience, and uh, they've both now become good friends, and I've told them as soon as I come back to Japan, we'll, we'll meet up again and hang out. So... That's uh, the kind of stuff that can happen uh, and, you know, just encourage people to put themselves out there and go to bars and make friends with people and, and yeah, you'll have wonderful experiences too. So all in all, I'm really happy with my time here and I'm very sad that I'm leaving so soon. And that's it. That's all we have time for for this week. What an unusual way for us to connect across the airways, divided by both time and distance. It's been so lovely for myself to hear your voice listening back to this podcast, I'm sure. And I'm positive that our listeners feel the same way. I can't wait for next week when we're back talking kind of live, although it will be via Zoom. Who knows what country we'll be in? Perhaps you'll be back in Canada and I'll be in the UK visiting family and we can discuss our trips in more detail. That'll be next week on Tropology. Adam, I love you. I miss you. And to our listeners, please get in touch with us. Tropologypodcast at gmail.com and on all social media media at Tropology Podcast. My love goes out to you all and to you, Adam, in Japan. Cheers for that, mate. Yeah, really appreciate it. Missing you dearly, and I hope you're having the best time in Mexico. And uh, I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Love you. Bye. We'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.